This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, working our way through week three of fall camp. Uh, lots of storylines here this week. Uh, scrimmage guys will be on Saturday. That is the final. You get two of them. You basically get, the way it works, you get two big spring scrimmages and two big August scrimmages. And those are honestly the four biggest practices of the year. Nebraska will have their final one before they flip the page and get into game preparation. Um, so as we set the stage, let's go through some of the key questions and things. Like, first of all, I want to hit on this. Xavier Betts, as we know, has left the program. Lots of questions at this wide receiver position uh, without Xavier Betts. And, you know, is he replaceable? Is, is the big plays that he could have maybe given this offense, do they have that in there? I think that's one of my big questions right now. Well, one of the big play guys, Marcus Washington, is hurt. Mm-hmm. Um you know they need. I would say they need him back pretty quick. Marcus Washington was Nebraska's second leading receiver last year. He's not the downfield threat that Trey Palmer is. He's not the, probably the downfield threat that Xavier Betts is, but he's a downfield threat, and you need him. He's can a good Billy red zone Kemp player. be a downfield threat? I think he can be. Um, a lot of the, I mean, do, yeah, who are their downfield threats at receiver? I don't know. You hope the tight ends factor into that discussion. Thomas Bedoni and Eric Gilbert and Borkutcher. Um, but it's a big it's that's you know, the receiver group and the O line are what we need to or what fans probably need to be watching close. I mean, do they have enough firepower at those spots? Yeah, and the receiver conversation changed in the sense that I think all of us had projected bets to be one of the top three. And mm-hmm. so you're talking about a starter or key piece to that rotation now out of the mix and no one is going to be able to replicate his size and athleticism that's the biggest concern you have guys like isaiah garcia castanet has played a lot of football josh fleeks has played a lot of football but they ain't bets you know like they're not they're not that big strong perimeter guy that can go win a 50 50 ball on the sideline so the question becomes who else in that room is going to step up? Is it going to be one of those freshman wide receivers? We've heard Malachi Coleman's name mentioned a bunch. We've heard Jaden Doss, Jalen Lloyd. But then Matt Rule kind of tempered that earlier this week, where he's like, I don't know if we need any of them to play right. at this point. So then that opens up the conversation to you turn to the walk-ons, the Ty Han or Alex Bullock, reliable, I think. who have been getting nothing but praise all fall camp. And I know that's the last thing some fans, especially on our site, want to hear is that, Walk-on wide receivers are going to crack the, these guys the had top D1 rotation. Offers in I know, high school. I know, but I mean. it's 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 a conversation that Nebraska fans. They, they don't know. Some of them just don't like it. They don't like it when heralded recruits are beat out by walk-ons because they know that's not how you're going to beat Michigan. Exactly. So probably not. it's a question that <laughs> there's no answer right now. I don't. I don't think the staff has an answer, and I don't think we will get an answer until we see how all of these new faces respond when it's for real under the lights. Well, I th- the thing with Xavier Betts, I mean, he had the ability to change games. He did it twice in his career. The Penn State game was probably maybe Scott Frost's best win he had. Debate me if he had a better win than beating Penn State, because I don't know what it would be. But he had the play that, flip, that broke that game open, a little flip pass for 40, 41 or 45 yards. Mm-hmm. That was the longest pass play of that season for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. That was a really – they didn't have much. 
Then the next year, he had an 85-yard run against Northwestern. That's a defense that doesn't give up 85-yard plays Mm -hmm. under Pat Fitzgerald. And that was the longest run at Nebraska since 2012. I mean, how many other guys on this roster could take a football 85 yards in a Big Ten football game? Right. Not a lot. Yeah, Robin, you mentioned the word reliable. Reliable is nice. But you want more than reliable. Mm-hmm. You want big yeah, guys that are win you games. Yeah, yeah, like Trey Palmer. I mean, they. Let's face it. We're, we're looking at a receiver core. If you look at it, they lost Trey Palmer, who's going to make the Tampa Bay Bucks roster. He, I yeah, mean, he's, especially sick. after the injuries they've been having there. What's that? Especially after the injuries. Yeah, they've they'll carry there. six, and he's he's going to make. He's going to make a it. foregone conclusion. And then and now bets. Those are those are not just reliable guys. Those are guys who change games. Or, or are capable. Now, some people are going to say, oh, easy on bets changing games. Well, Sean just laid out a yeah. couple of plays. Those are two more examples than pretty much anybody else has right. done. Right. <laughs> you know? And if he's right, if he's right, like, you know, if he, was, if he was all in and he was healthy um, in, in every way possible, yeah, he was going to be a game changer. So I don't know how many – I just don't know. Do they got – is Billy Kemp a game changer? He's not super fast. He's 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 reliable and he'll be he'll be targeted a lot, but is he is he gonna beat a corner one on one on a go route or is he an underneath guy? Yeah, more like, of an is he another guy. is he a guy that is just really good at sitting in the zone and catching yeah. the ball, That's getting situational is. plays, right? And guys, situational plays win you games. Mm-hmm. They do. Um, and Nebraska hasn't been good in situational plays. Yeah, no doubt. Been, I mean, they've been good at throwing deep balls to Trey Palmer, but they weren't a great situation. Yeah, all offense. last year was was home runs. They weren't getting any singles, you know. So I mean, like that's where I think Kemp's addition comes in more than anything. It's just that consistency from down to down oh, he, to be able yeah. to move the sticks, keep drives on, and he, he has that potential, I'm sure, but not to the level of the guys that Nebraska has now lost from last season. I'm, what I'm saying about I like I like Kemp. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying he's I'd like Kemp if he if if he was with Palmer and Betts. Yeah, no <laughs> I doubt. mean if he's he doesn't if he's not your one guy, you know I don't. That's what it comes down when to. He's your lone known commodity. He's right. got almost 200 career catches, which would be one of the top numbers in program history. That's in good. But what I'm suggesting is he's not Sean. He's not going to be the number one receiver on on many good teams he's not gonna be number one i mean he'd be two or three and uh, let's let's shift focus to arik gilbert uh because the the waiver i think that's becoming a story i know when we talked to matt rule sip in texas in june it didn't seem like there was much worry i mean that the waiver was in it's a process this will happen here we are midway through fall camp we've seen the ncaa deny a few waivers out there and then you saw matt rule kind of go all in oh god he went all in and I mean, he marked his spot on this thing that if he doesn't get this waiver, the NCAA shouldn't give these waivers out ever again. Yeah, they sh- he said they shouldn't even have a waiver process if mm-hmm. he does if Arik Gilbert doesn't get it. It's probably on his mind a lot. Um, it should be on his mind. I mean, listen, I've got I've I've had some criticism because I've I, I've been saying if Gilbert and Fedoni are healthy. That's worth a lot, and maybe a win and a, or a win and a half. And people are like, "Okay, it's two pros." Gilbert hasn't taken, hasn't caught a ball in two years, and Fedoni's never caught a ball in college. Well, what I would say to that is, it's not like these guys just rose up out of Salt Creek and and said, "Okay, I got to I got to figure out how to exist in society." They know, they've played football. They they know the game, and I think they. 
I think they can be big-time difference makers. You could argue that those two have the highest ceilings of anyone on that offense and maybe anyone on the team. Right. You look at the NFL scouts come to practice, who are they watching? They're oh, watching God. those tight ends. And yeah. so, that, I mean, that's where the Gilbert situation is so important and such a critical part right now because if they have him, you know, that answers a lot to the receiver question. Sean hit on how the tight ends are going to get more involved. When you got two dudes like that, that's like – Gronk and Aaron Hernandez back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Like if they're if they're playing at, yeah, at the level like, that they're capable. Travis Volkel like an Austin Allen had really good tight end careers at Nebraska. The ceilings of these two players are much higher if in, they higher. can get where they can go. And that's the question. That's I think an educated Husker fan understands that. You don't just get a five star tight end and then the number one ranked tight end as well. Thomas Madoni was a high four star out of nowhere. I mean, th- those are legit recruits. Yeah, and so the concern for me is a lot of it with Rule's tone on that last time he addressed it publicly. He seemed like a guy that was kind of, I won't say panicking, but like starting to worry a little bit about yeah. the likelihood of that getting approved. And people asked today, um, or in this week's uh, RSS chat, if it could go on to the season, yes. There is no set deadline. It could be for, like Noah Vedrill 2018. Yeah. I mean, the NCAA works at whatever pace it wants. They can approve a waiver in 48 hours, and they can approve one in Four months. But if you have full cooperation, it helps. Like Nebraska with Jess Shepard and women's basketball, they fully cooperated to help her get a waiver at Notre Dame. And then she won a national championship at Notre Dame because she needed the change of scenery. And Nebraska supported her. It was tough, but they did. Wherever, is it Georgia? Is it LSU? What is the holdup on this waiver? Is it necessarily one of those schools? Could it be something else? A a cooperating party. I, I took that as another school. Yeah, that's usually what it is. I remember when Isaac Copeland was getting a waiver, and this is before the immediate eligibility. Georgetown was really dragging its feet, and so that's why he ended up being a mid-year um, enrollee, and there was questions about whether when he'd be eligible. It's a lot of it because Nebraska was having a hard time getting Georgetown to cooperate. And so yeah. I'm sure this is a very similar situation where whether it's Georgia or LSU, that could be part of why this thing is being delayed. I don't think it's a matter where this, there's a waiver sitting on somebody's desk and they just haven't gotten to it. No. I think that there's there's other a lot of pieces involved here, and if one right. if one part of that is dragging its feet, that's when you get a delay like we've seen. That's, but that's why I don't want to just say it's either Georgia or LSU because it could be a there's a variety of people involved. There could be a counselor somewhere. It could be. I don't know though. I, I think it could it's be a, a team. Parent. I mean, I don't know. I think it's a team. I, <laughs> go go back to Noah Vedral. I mean, he transferred from UCF to Nebraska, and needed the waiver and it made perfect sense he's a legacy he's from nebraska he followed scott frost ucf bought him to but ucf drug their feet and waited until four games into the season before they signed noah vedrill's waiver and then they put him on a plane friday to go to evanston and then they had to send matt masker home that's right that's right <laughs> poor matt masker I mean, <laughs> you know that noah vedrill decision might have cost nebraska like they could have maybe have beaten colorado when adrian martinez got hurt they maybe could have beaten troy you never know. I mean, that was a big deal yeah, at was, that time. That was Andrew Bunch, right? Yes. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're being honest, you could argue that's like one of the least gifted overall players to start quarterback at Nebraska in history. And they had to start him in, in games. Hmm. I mean, he's a good player. So are, are you going to debate me? I mean, Ron, Ke- you could make a case that Ron Kellogg. or like Bo Davis. I don't know. I mean, Bo I Davis know. had power. I'm not going to debate you over who's yeah. the worst quarterback ever. Played for but that. like, they had to start a l- little right. known hero. Oh, Matt Turman, right. I guess, would be the right. 
but like a little. I mean, they had a because it's of very this, uncomfortable debate. Who was the worst quarterback? Of catching well, like right now. the least heralded guy that <laughs> yeah. they've had to trot out there. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a. I mean, no, not, I mean, like this is Nebraska. You don't have to trot out like an unknown walk-on quarterback very often. No, yeah, you shouldn't, shouldn't have, have to. to. You really shouldn't have to. All right. With that said, uh, when we come back, we're going to carry over to offensive storylines. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. We're going to talk offensive storylines before we get to that. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Homefield. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand. It's based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creativity, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel, and vintage college designs. Uh, they feature a growing collection of over 150 schools to choose from, including, of course, Nebraska. Homefield designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and the history of each school using unique logos, mascots, iconic iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They are all about authenticity and nostalgia. Uh, just go on there, take a look. Uh, they they have you know if you're tired of getting the same old Nebraska gear every year because it kind of hasn't changed up much, check out Homefield. They're going to get you outfitted for the start of the Ooh. season. Uh, our Husker Online listeners will get 15% off. Just simply use the code HUSKERS23. That's HUSKERS23 to get 15% off. Visit homefieldapparel.com. Use code HUSKERS23 to get that discount. All right, guys, let's talk offensive storylines here now as uh, we look ahead into fall camp. Um, I want to hit on quarterbacks briefly um, because, obviously, we know Jeff Sims is the guy um, but Matt Rule did say he's very comfortable with both backups. I did find it interesting. We did catch some pictures and video of Heinrich Harburg catching passes this week. What did you guys make of that? Gadget guy. I mean, I, I like that. Uh, he's a great athlete. I think they got to find ways to use him. And if it's quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, fullback, whatever it may be, find ways to get him on the field. Get your best athletes on the field. So we'll see if they actually use it. But it's intriguing. Where'd that video come from? I think Channel 3 got it. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's I think come from Nebraska. We have, a, we have a picture. Oh, really? I mean, one of, I mean, it was in the open pe- period. Yeah. Like, there was yeah. a picture they of him catching it. a pass. Yeah, I think, I think I would not have him catching passes if I were the coach with the media there. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, like, you, or you could it's, surprise it's, some it's people. something for PJ to think about. How about that? Yeah, well, that's, that's a good way to put there it. There you go. Matt Rule is uh, a calculated dude. Look at that Haas, though. <laughs> I mean, look at the size of this kid. Yeah, he's a beast. He is a beast. I mean, that is Planet Fitness Steve Sipple he right could there. Carry the, he could carry the boats. That's Kettleball Sipple right there. That's just <laughs> full-fledged. Full-fledged, like, 1985. All right. The other part of this conversation is Chubba. Chubba Purdy, who's, who, according to Rule, has made massive improvement. Massive. Okay, what's that look like? I don't know. Well, massive improvement. Look I like. guess compare it to 
what Matt Rule has seen in person, which is very limited action in the spring. So inherently you would hope that he's making a much bigger impression in the fall, now healthy with a full summer of conditioning under him. But it's certainly notable because I think there was a point where Chubba was kind of the odd man out um, in that, that three QB discussion. Now it seems like he's the front runner to be the number two, especially with them tinkering around with different ways to use Harburg. That leads me to believe that Chubba, as of taping time, is the guy at number as the site number two quarterback. I agree. It, I agree. If you have a quarterback catching passes in practice, yeah. let's put it this way. If I'm Chubb, I feel pretty good that I'm not catching passes in practice. <laughs> no doubt. Right? No doubt. Now, what I've always said about this, and, I'll, and, and say whatever you want, I'm not, I've never been a huge fan of that sort of thing because all it does is take away reps at quarterback where he's got to get better. Um, so, I don't know. But I'm not criticizing the – I'm not necessarily being critical in this case because I don't know how often it's happened. Yeah, it was the clip was from one individual, right? Could over be, the course of the entire fall camp yeah. that we saw. So who knows? Generally speaking, I'm not a big fan of quarterbacks playing other positions. And again, know? I would not put it past rule that if that was like just some, you know, hey PJ, check this out. It worked yeah. for Luke McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it, it worked really well for McCaffrey. What's really it? funny about Luke McCaffrey is now he's like regarded as like a legit NFL draft pick receiver, right? right. But, God, around here, when those suggested, it was like, you know, people, they weren't on board. So no. That whole thing, I mean. Oh, yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to relitigate that situation. It was a mess that when you go tough. back to that. But running back-wise, I'm intrigued by this room, too, guys, because Gabe Irvin, I think, gets the first carry at Minnesota. Uh, but I think we know what Anthony Grant can do. I think he's limited on a few things that they need, you know, as far as pass protection or plays yeah. or whatever those things are. Yep. But Ramir Johnson's coming. He had a great scrimmage, had a long touchdown run. Emmett Johnson mm-hmm. is coming. How about the Johnson and Johnson boys back there? Yeah, I think it's become clear. I mean, it's really become clear that Anthony Grant, it's not It's not about his ability to carry the ball. We all know he can do that. It's probably protect, pass protection more than anything. It was, it was, I thought it was illuminating what Rule said yesterday, Tuesday, about that he's been more, taking more snaps with the ones now. Mm-hmm. So there's competition there. Well, I think another layer to that is that not only is Anthony playing well on the field, he's doing the right things off the field. I mean, keep in mind, he was suspended in March because he, you know, kind of the same deal where he wasn't doing anything bad, but he needed to focus on his academics and other things, according right. to Rule. That's and so right. Rule, when he talked about Anthony Grant, he's, he's being where he's supposed to be. You know, he's he's showing up on time. He's doing the things that you're supposed to be doing at this level of football. So I think that if that part of it clicks, I mean, his role is only going to continue to flourish. And you see that now with him getting more reps with the ones to have a two headed monster, I think is critical. And then you supplement that with Ramir, Emmett, whoever it may be, you can make a strong case that maybe after the potential of tight end, the potential of that running back room is as, as high as any on the offense. Yeah. You're listening here to the Husker online show. As we talk, uh, fall camp offensive storylines here to watch. I want to hit on a receiver because I, I do think Alex Bullock and Ty Han are getting their stock, their their positions getting bigger by the day. I mean, guys, I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Bullock's put on scholarship at the semester. I mean, if they have an available one to give because mm-hmm. of Xavier Betts and Miles Farmer. I mean, the, the, the praise that this kid has gotten from Creighton Prep. I mean, Thomas Fedoni went as far as saying that He's one of the best route runners and receivers they have on the team. No, which, he, he said he's one of the best route runner receivers he's ever seen. Ever seen. Which, he said he's one of the best I've ever seen. As you would say, hello. 
Yeah, as I would say, were you there for the Ohio State? I was going to say, do you watch Marvin Harrison Jr.? <laughs> Jackson Smith the Jigba taking like a little stick route. <laughs> uh, but um, Sean, I think you're right. Uh, he he's a guy that could he probably should be on scholarship. Actually, um, Bullock is going to play a lot. Han's probably going to play. Um, that's not recent. That's not really a recent development either. If you go back to spring, they talked a lot. They rule and his staff talked a lot about Alex Bullock little less about Han but yeah those guys are very prominent right now yeah and again I know that there's certain fans that don't like to hear it but if you got a guy that earns it play him especially if he's a veteran guy that you can trust I mean you need guys like that he might not be the game-changing Trey Palmer type player but he can move the sticks and be an invaluable part of that receiver rotation now let's get on the offensive line because I do want to hit on that as we wrap up offensive storylines Teddy Prohaska, you get the impression he could come back sooner rather than later, but is he going to be ready to go? I mean, that, that's the question because the last thing you want is him out there not ready in a game like this against Minnesota. And I'll use the example of 2021. Turner Corcoran was battling his injury, and they started Brant Banks. It didn't go well, and then they put an injured Turner Corcoran in that game. What game was that? The opener, 2021 opener. Okay, the opener. And Corcoran didn't – it wasn't a great. Oh, against Illinois. It wasn't yeah. a great start for either. Yeah, and against Illinois. Corcoran, I felt like has never really recovered from that. I totally mean, agree. It just he, you know, I, I think that injury in the beginning of 2021, he hasn't been the same totally player. Totally agree. Then, when, then they went to Oklahoma. He wasn't ready for that. Um, that that they went to Oklahoma in 2021. If I'm right. right. Yeah, and he, I don't think he was ready for that at all. So yeah. Nico yeah, Benito not, or whatever that guy's name was. Yeah, on Nick the edge. Benito. Now. Now listen, Corcoran's the left tackle if they're playing today. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the been the number one left tackle all off. And Rule said that more. And or less. Interestingly, too, Gunnar Gatula, the true he's freshman, the number, two. number <laughs> hello, um, number two. So Gatula, that's a that's a feather in his cap for sure, and it tells you that he's got a future here. Mm-hmm. If he's already, granted, he'd probably be three with Prohaska, right. but. Right. He's already in position to play. That's pretty good. I thought it was notable, too, that Matt Rule said with Teddy, they're not going to bring him back a day too early. Right. They'd, they're going to bring him back a day too late, if anything. So they are being overly cautious, and they should be. I mean, this is a guy that has back-to-back significant season-ending injuries. they got to make sure he's right and avoid yet another setback. And I think they did the same thing with Thomas Fedoni, where like, yeah. he was – chomping at the bit to get on the field and they wouldn't let him because you know what we're not going to put you out there until you are 100 percent cleared because we don't want to deal with this again remember last august when we saw him running the steps and doing lateral drills and you thought uh it looks like he's ready right now Mm -hmm. that was last and he was was adamantly telling everyone he was ready right then right but they they have a schedule and they stuck to it and i imagine to do the same thing with teddy all right, we come back. We're going to shift the conversation over to defensive storylines. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, working our way here through this third week of fall camp. Huskers will scrimmage on Saturday, their final scrimmage of fall camp. I'll tell you guys, the defense, though, this unit's coming together. I mean, I've talked to some people that were at practice. Uh, I think there's a lot of optimism about this unit, the scheme of, of Tony White, um, a, lot, a lot of shifting, a lot of stunting, a lot of free rushers coming in. I mean, I just think there's a lot of elements to this that intrigue me for an opener because Minnesota 
won't have as much to prepare. Yes, they can look at Syracuse film, but you know it's not going to be the same exact defense that they ran. There, there's going to be twists to it that fit Nebraska's personnel. And um, it, I think there's enough veterans in this defense as well that have made the transition sit pretty easy. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, Matt Rule said the word dominated. They, the, the, the defense dominated the scrimmage on sa- the last scrimmage on Saturday. Now, he went back on that a little bit, mm-hmm. but – the, I'm going to go with what he said initially. He said the defense dominated. Now, sometimes you guys have covered this a long time. Coaches come off the field. They're hot. Mm-hmm. A lot – you know, in football, there's a lot going on. I, you know, that, that quick assessment can be a little inaccurate sometimes, after, especially after you watch the film. But it's a good sign. I think it's a good sign that his first impression was they dominated. The other thing I'd say is, Sean, I go back and forth on that conversation of can that 3-3-5 surprise Minnesota – yeah, I think it can. I, 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 as I said, I go back and forth. Right now, I'm kind of on the yeah. I think I think they can do some things that could get Minnesota kind of discombobulated early and and have an impact on the game. I think so much of that is the versatility of their personnel, where you have guys that can play with their hand in the dirt. They can drop back into coverage. You have safeties that can, you know, drop back, and you have other ones that can you know play in the box against the run, a stout run defenders. So I think having those interchangeable parts is kind of the hallmark of that defense they seem to have a lot of them at all three levels and so that that i think helps in a significant way the other part though i thought i really liked about what tony white said when talking about his defense is yes they do all these different things they're always moving they're always you know changing things up but they're not going to overwhelm their players if they see a guy can't handle something they're going to scale it back and they're going to play to that player's strengths so that they can actually just go play football you know and, and not be caught overthinking everything to where you're taking yourself out of plays before the ball's even snapped. There's a few X factors that we don't know. I, I, number one, I'll say this. I think Nick Henrich is back, and I, I think he's had a yep. good camp. And yep. people I've known that, like, wow, he looks faster and better than he has before. Yep. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's a black shirt and he's starting. And you know, I think people forget Nick was a captain. He's the only returning captain on this roster. Mm. But, you know, because he was hurt for the spring and hurt, you know, you, you didn't necessarily – Look at him as a captain in the spring, but you can just on the the show they do. You can see his leadership. He's a leader. Him and Luke Reimer are leaders of this defense. MJ Sherman. I mean, I like the look of that linebacker group. The question, the question now is the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Can they get enough depth there? We know who that starting three at least appears to be: Blaze Gunnerson, Nash Hutmacher, and Ty Robinson. What is that second group? Uh, Elijah Judy's in there. You know that. Uh, Ruquan Buckley probably in there. Kai Whalen probably in you there. You got the guys. Um, and, then the, guys. and then the freshman. I mean, Cam Lenhart, I think, is a factor. Uh, Princewell, um, Uman Yellen, we don't know where he's at. He was hurt. hurt. Um, but, you know, you heard Matt Rule guys make the comment, this is a grown man's football game we're going to play on on 831. He keeps saying that, by the way, 831. They always say that. Those kids are saying that, too. They mm-hmm. listen to Rule. They always refer to it as 831. The name we haven't been hearing, hearing, and I don't know if it's just because nobody asked is Elijah Judy. Uh, Judy's got to be big in this. It's a little surprising to me we don't mention him as a starter. I just don't – on the other hand, I don't know exactly what White's looking for f- from those positions up front. Um, but Judy's got to be – got to think he's a critical piece to this. We, yeah. just, we just haven't heard much about him yeah, this no. month. And, and who knows what why that is. A lot of times it's just because coaches don't get asked about him. Like there's, It's very right. few times that they just – uh, unprompted bring a guy up and so maybe he's doing everything that they expect and so he just kind of gets 
you know, forgotten about <laughs> compared to surprises and your your other known commodities. And if they do bring up a guy unprompted, h- hello headlines. Notable. Absolutely. I mean, they brought up Fields. They brought up Fields unprompted. Mm-hmm. We jumped all over that. Yeah. Is you know. he the number two rover? Is he number two? No, that's my question to you. I don't know. Like, who is the rover after Isaac? What about Javin Wright? No, no. He's Javin work- Wright's a linebacker. Yeah, he's working bro. linebackers. Right. moved to linebacker. linebacker. He's, not a, he's not secondary anymore. Yeah, Sean, I, you know my thing. I hate it when we ask questions we don't know. No, but, but I'm just like, but, uh, could he be Could yeah. he be the number two rover? I, I don't even know who the number one rover is. Gifford. Gifford. Is it Gifford for sure? Or is he playing straight safety? Well, I think Singleton. And then, once again, is Hartstog a corner or Hill a corner? I thought they characterized Gifford as a safety. That he's playing. But the rover is a safety. Yeah. It's just three it's safeties. Just, there's three safeties, man. Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's not overthink this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we can, over, we can overthink it with the best <laughs> of them. <laughs> it's uh, hard, though. You were saying today, Sean, it's hard to pinpoint it, some of these positions. Because they won't say who's playing where. Like it's Everybody's like, working everywhere. Versatility. Yeah, so don't – yeah, I think the key for us is not to get too caught up in that. Who's the rover? I don't know. Could be one of about seven guys probably. I think Matt Rule will put a depth chart out. Though. By He's, the way, I've heard Hartsog works at Rover too. Um, so I don't I don't know who that's going to be. Wouldn't be surprised if it's Hartsog, by the way. I think Rule will be the kind of coach, though he will put a depth chart out. I mean, remember the, who, who was the worst one? Well, Frost wouldn't put him out sometimes. Pelini definitely Bo, wouldn't put him out. Yeah. Did Bo not ever put out a depth chart? No. Well, and Frost was kind of weird about it at yeah, times, was. too. I mean, Frost and Bo had a lot of similarities. Frost was much like Bo. He just disguised it much better. Bo would put, like, one out and it'd have, like, 50 oars on it, and then they would never change it the rest of the season, <laughs> even if a guy was hurt. Like, <laughs> it would be like Keith Mann having to make changes, just like obvious changes. Yeah, season-ending injury. You just take the guy Where, out of the starting lineup. Under Solich and even Callahan, like the Monday or Tuesday pressers, both days, like they would legitimately like – I mean, you would feel like the hot-off-the-press depth chart each mm-hmm. week. and I mean, you'd sit there and study it because they would make legit changes every week on that depth chart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before the press conference, remember I that? What, I wonder what we're going to see on day uh, on that first game week press conference, if we're going to see a legit depth chart. It's going to be Friday, right? Mm-hmm. That's the initial plan, yeah. Friday before the Thursday game. Yep. Okay. okay. And then, then we're going to be Monday's Matt Rule only. Okay. And, and it'll be a Matt Rule for 30 minutes on Mondays at noon. I don't know. Huh. That'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I'll, I mean, there's just a lot of things on that. But they definitely want to play a lot of guys. I, I, you know, I, seventeen to twenty-five. Yes, that's the number he put on it. Rule. And on the D line, they, they said they got six. They feel good about playing right now. They want eight or nine. Yeah, six isn't enough. No, especially with as much as they want to rotate, you right. better have more than six. Yeah. Yeah. How many of those freshmen are beyond four game guys? That I think Cam Lenhart is. Yeah. And I, I think Princewell Uman Yellen is. I, I believe that. Uman Yellen. I got it right, didn't I? <laughs> Wasn't yeah. full fledged Ramir. By the way, oh yeah. By the way, oh yeah. Do Matt this. Rule. Do this. Either he listens to our show a lot and Sipple has hypnotized him, or the proper pronunciation is Ramir. Yeah, there was a video they put out saying? where uh, Matt Rule said Ramir in the video. Ramir, Ramir has a re- really good play, and you hear Rule like compliment. He's like, "Great job, Ramir." I think someone on, someone I think, on our board tagged all of us and said that we owe Sipple an apology. I'm, I'll, I'll take wait. it. I'll wait. I'll wait. Are you do, are, are you apologizing right no, now? No, I'm not. I'm going to hold off until we get actual com- John, com- confirmation. Would you like to apologize? Well, what I don't like is like the Jordine Ball, <laughs> the Amir Abdullah. 
Amir. I mean, you've got a couple under your on, on your belt. Jordine right? was. Jordine was a real slip. Jordine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Is it spelled? It? It's J O R D Y N, right? That's Jordan. I, Jordan. I got Jordine out of that. Okay. <laughs> and she goes by Jordy. Jordy. But yeah, maybe that's does. your confusion. Maybe someday we'll get her on our show and we'll have a good laugh there about go. Jordine Ball. But all right, when we come back, mailbag time. Abby Barmer will join us. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, Abby Barmore joining us now for the mailbag. But before we get to that, Steve Sipple, the mailbag, this segment of the show brought to you by. Well, it's brought to, brought to everybody by Larson Motors. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go for a new experience at Larson Motors in Nebraska City. It's one of the Midwest's only dealerships with all the major brands in one location. Think about this. Finding your new Chevrolet, GMC, Hummer, Ford, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Ram has never been easier. Start your new experience today at LarsonMotorGroup.com or at Larson Motors in Nebraska City. Larson Motors, real people, real deals. All right, Abby, time for the mailbag. Where are we starting off at today? Who do you think takes the first running back spot, and does Nebraska's offensive line show enough improvement to have an effective run game? Well, I think we all agree it's Gabe Urban, but who gets the most carries in that Minnesota game might be the better question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's the hot hand? Because um, as we talked about, Anthony Grant's coming on over the last few weeks, and I still think Urban's the day one, game one starter, but that workload will be fun to evaluate. And then with the offensive line, yeah, I mean, I guess – We'll, we'll see. You know, they should be better. <laughs> but you know what the good news is? Are they going to be good enough to run the ball effectively against Minnesota's defensive line? I don't know. It's the good news. I don't the know. good news is a lot of these questions about this team will be answered in yes, game one. In, in thorough Really, the fashion. first two weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're playing two power fives out of the gates. I mean, you're not you're not going to dance around with some FCS team. Mm-hmm. You're, you're playing men. You're not played in I- Idaho. You know, right. like you're, you're going against your direct competition within your division now nebraska could have really benefited from an opportunity to play a game like that to open the year i mean you think about what playing a conference game has done nebraska the last three years in a row it kind of puts you in this hole that nebraska can never get out of going back to the 2020 year when they opened to the ohio state then illinois northwestern now minnesota yeah offensive line ask me at about 11 o'clock on august 31 when you're on your third dilly bar in the minnesota press box (laughs) When have I ever done three? <laughs> two, three. I'm a, I'm a one or two at the moment. One or two. Yeah. Next question. Okay. Is Nebraska's special teams unit flying under the radar with Bushini, Kemp as a returner, and other guys in a kicker battle? I don't know. I mean, Bushini's good, but I, I think the kicker battle thing, that that's the question. I mean, I believe it's going to be Alvano. And he wasn't as bad in the scrimmage, I think, as people made it out to be. I do think Bleak Road struggled, though, from what I've heard. Um, I think Elvano was 5 of 7, is what I was told. Missed a long one. Bleak Road missed several. So I think it's Elvano's job. He's just got to have another strong week here to finish it off. And Elvano has shown a knack for being able to step up big in clutch moments inside Memorial Stadium even. Uh, But he's still going to be a true freshman out there with – 90,000 people watching him, you know, and so that's a different element that we don't know about. His leg talent is there, 
But how is he going to handle being thrown out there when he has to make a kick with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter in a one-score game? Like, you know, that's that's what we don't know about a true freshman. So Bushini's the, I think, the, the known commodity. I think Kemp can be um, a, a no-brainer there at punt return. But I don't know if that return game, I wouldn't call it game-changing yet. And then beyond Bushini, the kicking game, I think, still needs to be proven. The question with Kemp will be on punt returns. Okay, he's proven himself at a high level in terms of being reliable. Yeah. Catching the ball, I think he only had. He said he only had three drops, and that that at Virginia, and that uh, that encompassed 103 returns. I think was the number, maybe more than that. He fielded 140 punts. Oh, 140. Okay, that's pretty good. Now he didn't have a big average though. Isn't like five five yards of return? Can he break a few? That's the question. Mm-hmm. And then what you hear on Alvano from smart people is it? It's it's just the old. The ball sounds different coming off his foot. That's that's key. I mean, it, you know, he's got he's he's probably got a more powerful leg, so accuracy's the deal, and I think he's pretty accurate. I think it will be Albano too. On the returns too, a big part of it is you know Bill Callen used to always say that you got to vice the gunners. Like, can Nebraska hold up those gunners to get a return? I mean, it's big. I mean, special teams is like a lot of things in football. It's very complex. There's a lot of moving parts that have to work well for it to be good. You know, one thing we haven't talked about at all because it's been good is the the snap and the hold. It hasn't been bad for three years. I don't think there's been a. I don't think there's been a botch in three years, for sure. Two. Can you remember one? Mm-mm. I don't. They've been good there. Will that continue? I mean, that's that's something Nebraska hasn't had problems with. Ortiz is a good snapper from all. all we'll see. And they're playing a lot of starters on special teams and guys that aren't just being put there. They're they want to be on special teams. I think that makes a big difference. Oh, huge difference. Okay, our next question. We talked about this a little bit earlier this week, but which players on Nebraska's current team could play on both sides of the ball? Mm. <laughs> Hypothetically. I think Gabe Irvin could play some linebacker. Grant. Um, Anthony Grant. I think he could play safety linebacker. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's Na- some real Na- obvious. Uh, Nash Hutmacher yeah. could play O-line. Tommy Ty Hill. Robinson probably Tommy could Hill. play. Tommy. Tommy Hill, <laughs> he did. He did it limitedly. Um, there should be a lot of guys. Simple as you write a Tommy Hill receiver column. Well, I thought maybe they'd go to him a little bit because he was fast and they needed. No, I, they just needed help anywhere. I mean, the offense was what was it hundredth in the country. I mean, I just thought they needed something. No, I yeah, that, that thing did. last year was hard to wrap your hands around. Right. Well, no, it was it was easy to wrap your hands around. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was nothing. Right. It wasn't a complex. C- con- discussion to me there should be a lot of guys in this discussion right? Hutmacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah i said yeah you said him okay um a lot of guys yeah buscini i mean don't <laughs> don't you think a guy like alex bullock could play on defense speaking like of safety punters like sam fultz could have played safety receiver and punter he could have played all three levels yeah think but, about that that's how good of an athlete and, and sam fultz was a whole am i wrong on this do you think a lot of players could do this? It's just a question of how good, you know. I mean, right. I mean, they could do it. I don't know how how good. Yeah, what the product would actually look like. I mean, Alex Bullock could probably play safety. He played safety at a pretty high level. He played corner in high school. Corner, high and school. he was good. I mean, good corner. The game I went to at Lincoln Southeast, he had two picks and two touchdown receptions. I Sorry, think in the corner, same game. I mean, in two in two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, he, he was all over. Yeah, that's the kind of guy you think could do it. I mean, even Camp is a physical guy. I think he could play. Maybe a corner. You just don't know how, like a guy like Camp, how does he turn and run? How's his hips? I don't know. Like Maurice Washington, they used to say, like, could have stepped in and been like 
an elite corner. Really? Like Not his, surprised. His hips. He was really fluid. Yeah, really fluid. And then obviously at running back, he didn't even practice and would just run 80-yard runs. That's why he got a lot of chances. Yep. Yes, he did. Next question. Okay. Who are the next breakout offensive and defensive linemen, and who does Nebraska need to be the next breakout ones? And these are, once again, really hard. But I, I think Princewell, Cam Lenhart. Good names. You got to start there. And Riley Van Poppel. I, mean, I think, and, and Jason Machacek. I mean, I, I really like his big picture look. Suilafa, too. They, they've got a group of D linemen on this all young. But so. you can't put kids against grown men. Can't you say Judy? Yeah, I don't look at him as a young player. No, you don't. He's a junior. I mean, he's a transfer from Texas A&M that's played at A&M. Yeah. But couldn't he break out at Nebraska? Couldn't this be his breakout time? Could be. Yeah, that's what it I It should be nice I, if it was. Yeah, I still – I look at him like he could break out. Is this just defensive line? Offensive and defensive. How about Gatula? Yeah. I mean – I think Sam – That's your I, left tackle and waiting right there. Looks I like don't you. think so. No? I think he's only there by default. I mean, I think there's going to be more and more development in guys. I think Sam Sledge is the guy mm. that's going to emerge and be the center after Ben Scott. Yeah, not left tackle. I don't know if Gatula is a true Big Ten left tackle yet. I mean, I think he's getting the reps because they don't have anybody. Like, they, he's getting reps by necessity. He was here in the spring. Um, I've seen enough of him. He's got a ways to go to play at this level. But he's got a lot of good reps, which you can't, you know, downgrade. I, I, I just think he – to say he's ready to be the left tackle like a year from now, that, that's a huge jump. They've slipped Justin Jenkins into the conversation mm-hmm. a couple of times. And they say what you always hear about Justin Jenkins is he's just tougher than hell. New Jersey kid. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. I mean, he's, and, he, and he does. He has that look. He looks tough. Those some na- there's some names. Final question. Okay. Nebraska's season opener against Minnesota is coming up at the end of the month. What is your most memorable season opener? I would say the 3 Oklahoma State Nebraska game for me. Um, Good one, and it was big in a lot of senses because it was Frank Solich kind of rebooted his staff, six new assistant coaches, Bo Pelini. Um, it was an opener. It was a ranked team. The previous summer, I was interning at ESPN, and I can remember when I was there, Bill Byrne actually was walked through the room I was in, and he was negotiating that game to get moved to start the season. You are kidding. You know, and, and he was there to talk with ESPN. You are kidding. And they moved the game up. How, you've never told me that story. And so I was sitting there, and he goes, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm working here for the summer and then in, in the newsroom of ESPN. And he was there, like, and then they, they announced. It was, in, it was in May when I was May, June, July, August. And it was sometime in May Then they moved that game to open the year. But was Mike Gundy was the offensive coordinator, Les Miles, the head coach. And we interviewed the coaches before the game at the walkthroughs. Like Frank would do five minutes on Friday, not Thursday, Friday. And then Les Miles and Gundy were available. And I remember I interviewed Mike Gundy for 1620 back then. And he was just like, we have no idea what the hell we're going to see. He goes, we've been watching film, but we're just guessing. Like, we don't know. (laughs) That's really uncomfortable. And and then you watch that game, and they had no idea. Like, Bo Pelini came out with a completely different scheme than I believe it was Fields was the quarterback of Oklahoma. So Josh Fields, maybe former baseball mm-hmm. player. All, and then they had Rashawn yeah. Woods. Rashawn yeah, Woods I had. Know his, they had Rashawn Woods. Rashawn Woods had his lowest game, really of his career. It was like fifteen. His lowest output in like fifteen straight games against Nebraska, forty six yards. Damn, interesting. So What's that's yours? mine. Go for it. Oh, I, I mean, mine in terms of impact lately is Illinois in twenty twenty one. It was an amazing day, just in terms of impact. It was a it was a you-know-what show. 
That's what it was. And it, and it had a huge impact on the way I looked at everything about the program, Frost program. Frost coming out and saying we, we weren't ready for the, what they, the look they showed us on defense. Oh, really? Really? They showed you something like really different? I mean, th th it was bizarre almost. The movie line, too, was Oh, big. and the other thing I remember is how pissed those players, the Nebraska players, were after the game. It was hard to interview them. They were so angry. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, seldom have I felt that from a Nebraska player, that it was – they were, they were super angry. So it was not good. And I just remember it. There was a lot about the day I remember. I remember watching Illinois warming up and saying to Chris Baznet, mm, Nebraska's going to have trouble with this, that Illinois, they weren't bad. They weren't bad that year. Mm -mm. They, they, they were a big, strong team up front. And I thought, oh, this, is, this, is, this, looks like, this looks very dangerous to me. I didn't like Nebraska's chances at all when I was watching warm mm -hmm. Last So year. I just remember the impact. Yeah. The impact. Last year, it's hard to beat going to Dublin and then oh, ha yeah. ha having a coach essentially be fired after one game. Like, you knew it was done at impact. that point. And so that one is up there. From a, from a positive standpoint, though, you got to go to the kickoff classic in 94 when coming off that brutal national championship loss, the Rask goes to East Rutherford, New Jersey, to Giant Stadium, just totally dominates West Virginia. Top 25 West Virginia team, by the way, 31 nothing. Frazier just went off, and that was like, here we go. This, flex. The, the run begins. Huge flex. Yeah, my dad went to that game. Yeah. Did you, what? With his, well, my dad and um, his uncles, my un his brothers, and friends they would go to like the orange bowls the fiesta they would go in the kickoff i mean that was a lot i mean if i remember right a lot of nebraskans went to new york city i mean it was oh yeah turn the nebraskans loose in Times square you know like it was <laughs> quite the i watched that game back in lincoln with hoss i wasn't covering the team at that time I, not full time you were on the bowling beat back then i was on the <laughs> <laughs> i think i was hey you gotta start somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah i wrote a, a sunday bowling column every sunday i covered cross country rifle i mean we did it all back in the early Sean days. Sean covering cross country is an interesting. Ball, thing. softball, <laughs> volleyball. I've done, I mean, we've all put our time in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk AP top 25 poll out and also the volleyball polls out. Uh, we'll give our thoughts on that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, and Abby Barmore uh, talking polls as we had a big week here with both not only the AP Top 25 and college football being released, uh, but also the preseason volleyball poll out. Um, let's first, guys, weigh in on this football poll released. Not a lot of surprises. Um, Georgia, number one. Michigan, Ohio State, 2-3. Alabama four, you know, it's funny, Alabama four, like, I mean, that's low for them. I mean, they, they haven't been, you know, generally they're in that one, two or three spot more often than not, but Penn State at seven. How about this though? The new big 10 teams, USC six, Washington 10, Oregon 15. I mean, the big 10, <laughs> it's, it's a man's league, uh, Wisconsin 19, Iowa 25. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the Big Ten presence, especially towards the top, when you have two of the top three, um, I guess tech, for now, three of the top ten uh, of the polls, I mean, that just shows the strength of the league. Um, but really, Wisconsin 19, I mean, we've talked about this before. I'm in still in wait-and-see mode with them. Like, I, I guess I just don't understand why they're getting so much hype to where they're picked to win the division. They're a top-20 preseason team. 
despite all the changes that's going on up there. That, I don't know. Maybe I'll be proven dead wrong here in a few weeks, but for now, I have my doubts. Yeah, I think I think Sean and I both like Iowa to win that division. I do, too. That's who my pick would be. Interesting. All three of us pick Iowa. I just think they have an established system. And their a schedule defense. is like one of the easiest in the country. Yeah, their, their crossover big game is Penn State, where Wisconsin has to play Ohio State. And, you know, Iowa can beat Penn State. They have. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this stat is interesting from Brett McMurphy. 17, check this out. 17 of the last 19 AP preseason number one ranked teams failed to win the national title. Mm. 17 of the last 19. The only ones that won it when they were preseason number one were Alabama in 2017 and USC in 2004. Wow. Georgia also trying to become the first three-peat national champion since. Oklahoma. Buzz. Rob. How do I know this? Uh, I give up. Minnesota, oh. 1934 to 1936. And that was before they known. truly had, like, you know, they didn't have, like, an extravagant postseason. And, I mean, it, it was a little bit more controversial who the number one team was. because Oh, those teams were loaded, Minnesota. <laughs> I don't remember. But how about this? 11 of the top 15 teams in this poll are from the, the new SEC and the new Big Ten. 11 of the top 15. Says everything you need to know. Yeah, the only one that jumps out to me is USC looks overranked at six. They, they well, they got the Heisen winner back. Yeah, they have a bad defense, too. Well, I mean, they didn't play very good defense last year. They're not very strong up front. They don't strike me as a top six team that way. So you start Tulane to, would agree with me. I think. So you start to look at, like, future realignment. You got Clemson and, and Florida State in the top 10. You've got Notre Dame at 13. Utah's the only Big 12 team that's in the, the fut- pa- future Big 12 team. Oh, I'm talking about the future of college football. Utah, yes. They're the only Big 12 team in the top 15. So it, it is interesting when you kind of slice and dice. how call We know it's SEC Big 10, but this really shows it more with 11 of the top 15. Yep, it does. That's where the power is. All right, Abby, a volleyball poll came out. Huskers come in at five. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, so Nebraska is one of the four Big Ten teams that are in the top ten, and there are six Big Ten teams in the top 25. So, of course, you know, Big Ten volleyball is also pretty dominant, just like football. But our top five is Texas, Wisconsin, Stanford, Louisville, and then Nebraska. And I think this is a very fair ranking for them. I mean, they have a young team, a lot of un unestablished positions their setter position we still haven't figured out what's going on there yet so and then also when you look at these teams that are ranked above them I mean they have pretty much dominated Nebraska in the last few years I mean they haven't beat any of these teams in the last couple of seasons so Mm. Texas is the returning national champion and I think this is going to be really test Nebraska they play eight ranked teams and um to they play Stanford and Kentucky in the first, you know, few weeks. So we're really going to see what they can do. But Nebraska coming in at five here. Creighton not ranked, right? Yeah, Creighton's ranked. Oh, ranked. I think what, they're nineteen. Nineteen, okay. And Marquette's twelve. So and they'll see Creighton again. And they've yeah. they've always kind of had their number. Oh, Creighton's yeah. at eighteen. There you are. Creighton's okay. at eighteen. Yeah. Nebraska normally does a very good job against Creighton, but they are they're a really good tough team and. The last couple of years, they've gone five, and last year really went down to the wire. 
All right. Well, lots to keep up on. Scrimmage Saturday. We'll have full coverage on Husker Online. If you're, if you're not a follower, subscriber, check us out. Uh, join on HuskerOnline.com. Also, like and follow us here on the corner of our YouTube page. Find us anywhere you can find podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.